AM 630 The Word is proud to feature our Church of the Week. Our desire is that you will get to know the pastors and churches in our community and find a church you and your family can call home. Here's the host of our AM 630 The Word Church of the Week program, Director of Ministry Development, Marcus Burgos. Thank you and welcome once again to the Church of the Week program right here on AM 630 The Word. Today we have a special guest and this is a special Church of the Week program. Today's program is brought to you by Elmer's uh, Heating and Air Condition. And if you need some work done on your AC, on your, a- on your heating, and even on your plumbing, I want you to call Elmer's AC and Heating. You can call them at 210-570-1717, 210-570-1717. And you can find them on the Internet at elmershomeservices.com. Uh, with that said, I want to introduce right away our our special guest today, he is a, a local pastor, uh, but not just a local pastor. Uh, it is none other than Pastor Matt Hagee. He is a pastor of Cornerstone Church right here in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, I could I could read a long bio, and uh, but many of you, many of us know Pastor Matt Hagee, coming from a long line of Hagees and a great ministry right here in San Antonio. Is blessed to have a Cornerstone. Uh, be here in San Antonio. Pastor Matt, welcome to AM630, the Word Church of the Week program. Well, it's a pleasure to join you, and thank you for those gracious words. Uh, I've been a native of San Antonio all my life, so have always loved being able to call this city home, and I'm thankful to God that he gave me the opportunity to be a pastor here in this great city. You know, I'm not, I'm not a, a native. I'm, I'm actually born and raised in New York, uh, I but, couldn't tell. <laughs> you see, I've I've lost some of the, it's been it's been quite a while. I got oh. here in two thousand one, uh, so I've lost some of the uh, the attitude. My family tells me, and uh, and but until I say water, and then water, you yeah, know, so there, there's a little bit of edge still in the voice. It, it, it picks up. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm very sorry that my Yankees uh, lost uh, in the playoffs. I am too. I was pulling for them. And then they lost against our nemesis, uh, the Red Sox. But uh, Only insult to injury there. Exactly. But, you know, one of the things that I, I love about, about Cornerstone and about being a local church, and, and you, you said it, uh, you, you're, you're one of us. You're one of the San Antonians, and, and we love that you're here. And uh, that your, your experience in, in the Lord— has almost been on a spotlight because it's you 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 come from a, a large ministry a large ministry family, but even so, all of us had to have a moment uh, where where he became our God, where he became uh, our Lord, and he saved us, and we had to make a decision. And uh, many many people think that pastors are perfect, and that's why they're pastors, but that's not the case. And so, how was your conversion moment? What was that for you? Well, you know, obviously, having been raised in church, I had plenty of opportunity to be around the things of church and the faith uh, from the earliest of ages. But the first moment that I prayed the sinner's prayer was on a Sunday morning after my eight-year-old Sunday school class, Sunday school teacher, a gentleman by the name of Joe Kurz. He's a precious volunteer uh, for many years in our Sunday school program. Ended the Sunday school lesson by asking, is there anyone who wants to ask the Lord into their heart? And I remember right then and there, I wanted to ask the Lord into my heart, and we stepped out of the Sunday school class and stood right by the water fountain uh, in the Sunday school building where our church was meeting at the time, which is now, by the way, Wayside Chapel off of 410. Oh, wow. 
but uh, right there, just inside the right front corner of that door, uh, I prayed the sinner's prayer with Joe Kurz, and, and that was the day that, that I can say that I asked Christ into my heart. From that day forward, I've had the opportunity throughout the experiences of my life to get to know Him as my personal Lord and Savior. You know, I think that there's a moment when people say, Lord Jesus, I need a Savior, and I want you to forgive me of sin. But then there's the progress of getting to know Him as your Lord, where you do what the Bible says. You lay down your, you lay down your life, pick up your cross, and follow Him. Yes. And and that's something that you know requires a walk of faith that is a continuation of that moment forward uh which you know thankfully in my life started at a young age and, and is still a very active part of my being today. I I remember uh I grew up in church and I remember one of the uh, the mothers of the church on a testimony night a Sunday night testimony night she she was one of the saints of the church, you know, and uh, she got up to testify and she said God delivered her from drug addiction and God delivered her from prostitution and God delivered her from violence. And we were all looking at us. I was like, what? I thought I thought sister was a saint and she didn't do anything. And and we were all confused. And and then she said, I never did anything because I gave my heart to the Lord early in my life. And he delivered me and saved me from all these things that I could have gotten into. And And when we give our heart to the Lord early on. It's not that it's finished. The prayer of salvation is not crossing the finish line. It's the beginning of the race. And like you said, from then on begins this beautiful journey of steps of faith. Would you say that? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's a walk of faith. The, the Bible says that Abraham walked with God. Yes. The Bible often calls those who believe in Jesus Christ to be the bride of Christ. Well, you know, I've been married 18 years now, and what I know about my wedding day is we said I do. What we didn't know is what we were getting into. <laughs> and and it, it takes time to develop that kind of a relationship. Uh, and I, I believe that, you know, God in His faithfulness is patient on us to grow in our faith. Um, and, and for me, the, the seed of the Holy Spirit was planted in me at, yes. at the age of eight when I received Him as my Savior and has continued to grow uh, for more than 30 years now. You know, you, uh, you, you wrote a book. You've written several books, but one of the books as I was getting ready uh, really uh, piqued my attention. Uh, and it's uh, a book from 2017, Your Guide to the apocalypse. And, uh, you know, we are living in, I, I personally believe, and you can tell me how you believe, but I believe we're living in the end of the end days of the end times. And without a doubt. With, without a doubt. Right. And, and I was, I was ministering recently coming from a book that, you know, we, we kind of relegate to, to the children's church and to the Sunday school and it's uh, Jonah. But one of the verses that, cu- that stuck out to me is when the captain is telling Jonah, how can you sleep in a time like this? And, and I think that verse is yelling to us, the church today, and how can we sleep? How can we be silent? How can we just allow things to happen and turn our face and, and not even pray about stuff uh, when the world is, is, is crying out to us? Really, the world is crying out to us saying, how do we get out of this mess? And the ones that have the answer tend to be silent. And, and the church tends to look for government. To, to help us when we know, <laughs> we know not today, not yesterday, not tomorrow, the government will not be able to help us. And so when, when you wrote that, that book, how was, you wrote it in, in 17, I understand, and probably were writing it Correct. previous to that. Uh, but, but how, how are we now? Maybe you could unfold a little bit of those chapters, uh, to where we are today in 2021. Well, you know, when you were 
asking the question based on what you say you believe we're in the latter of the latter days, mm-hmm. based on what Bible prophecy has to say, the prophet Joel said that in the latter days, God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. The fulfillment of that prophetic verse was in the upper room 40 days after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So on the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up and said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, what he was announcing 2,000 years ago was the beginning of the latter days. So the latter days began 2,000 years ago. When you say we are in the latter days of the latter days, if we were on a football field, we have gone past the two-minute warning, and the hurry-up offense has got to be played because the shot clock is just about to run out. And, And to your point about Jonah, one of the reasons that I believe Jonah was able to sleep is because Jonah was aware of what was going on, and Jonah was aware of why it was going on. He knew that the storm was there because God was displeased with Jonah, and he knew why God was displeased with him, that he had deliberately disobeyed. And I believe that one of the reasons why a lot of people who call themselves Christians today are complacent at this time is because they know why the world is shaking, and they know that part of their disbelief and and, and lack of commitment to the things of God is is why. Hmm. And, you know, this is why Jesus said, if the righteous scarcely be saved, what then, what, what then shall the wicked do? Uh, so when you look at the world that we're living in today, it, I've often heard Pastor Hagee make this statement throughout my life. That if you listen closely, you can hear the footsteps of Messiah walking across the floors of heaven. Uh, Jesus is so close to coming for his church, and we are so close to seeing the tribulation and great tribulation begin that it, it is really, for people of faith, an exciting time to be alive. Yes. Yes, you know, the verse that, that, I, that I, was, I was reading today uh, speaks of, of that in Second uh, Timothy chapter 4. And, and he, he begins by saying in, in, in verse 7, we have fought the good fight. And says a great crown is is waiting for me. But then he goes on to say, not only me, but for all those who are longing, longing for his return. And I I, I would why don't we take a moment and and maybe uh, the listener today, you that are listening to us in this conversation. If you are not longing for his return, it could be that you are asleep like Jonah and you know what you should be doing and you are not doing it. You have made a decision to directly disobey what God has called you to do. But today is, is, today is a day of salvation. Today is a day of repentance. Today could be that change for your life. And, and I'll add maybe, uh, Pastor Matt, I'll put you on the spot. Maybe you can speak to that. There is, there is, a, there is a, a harvest even within our church walls that, that need to make a decision for Christ. Absolutely. The New Testament says very clearly that judgment begins in the house of God. Yes. And I believe that everything that is happening right now in the world is what creates the church that the Bible describes without spot and without wrinkle. A church without spot is a church that has had the stains of sin removed, and the only thing that can remove the stains of sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. And then a church that is without wrinkle is a church that has been pressed, uh, just like you would press a garment that you want to get all of the wrinkles out of. And the only thing that presses a church is pressure and heat. And right now, there has never been more heat on a Bible-believing, faith-proclaiming Christian than in the world today. 
Christians have faced persecution all over the world, but that persecution is starting to show its ugly head here in the United States as we live in a cancel culture and we live in in a world that has uh, special privileges and opportunities extended to any type of identity you want to claim except the identity of a child of God who believes in the Word of God and proclaims Jesus Christ as your Savior. When you make that statement, you're now on a list of, of long names that, that are, are nothing but slander for the intent of disqualifying you uh, from the conversation. And so as a child of God, what you have got to do is make up your mind that today you're going to live for Him and Him alone. You're not going to live for Him predicated on the circumstance. You're going to live for Him in spite of the circumstance. And the question is not, does God want you, or has He not extended His grace to you? The question is, what are you going to do with the grace and the mercy that He's extended? Yes. What are you going to do with this Jesus? Uh, you love Him or hate Him? But you got to decide what you're going to do with him. And uh, there's, there's, no, there's no other time in history where we have been, like you said, under such pressure. And uh, we're either going to buckle or we're going to stand for the King of Kings. And uh, I decide to stand for the King of Kings and use this microphone as best we can to, uh, to spread the good news and to allow as many people as would receive him to have the opportunity to do so uh, before I before we switch gears pastor uh, could I could I again put you on the spot and perhaps can you lead us in a prayer uh, what we know to be the sinner's prayer and and for perhaps a listener that is out there and they want to have that opportunity after hearing these words to receive Christ in their heart Lord, your word says, believe in your heart and profess with your mouth. And that's what we come to do today, to reaffirm and claim once again that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, that you are our Savior, and that your blood has washed us whiter than snow and redeemed us from the curse of sin, from the stain of sin, and the claim of sin. The day we receive you as our Lord, we receive you as our Savior, and we look forward to welcoming you as our soon-coming King. Thank you for all that you have done. Thank you for all that you are doing, and thank you thank you for all that you have prepared. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Uh, I mentioned one of the books that you wrote, uh, Your Guide to the Apocalypse, What You Should Know Before the World Comes to an End. Uh, but there's two other books, am I right? The, the Healing uh, and Living Word. Uh, that's a devotional book that, that you wrote, as well as Shaken, Not Shattered. Uh, and so there, there are books, and we can find them, I understand. Uh, we can find them at jhm.org. Uh, Correct. Those, those are two works, as well as another book uh, entitled Response Able, which is a book about lessons that my father taught me. Uh, I'd often asked what was it like to be John Hagee's son, so I wrote down some of the things that, that he impressed upon me as a young man, and, and all of those are available at jhm.org. That's excellent, and uh, that's a great uh, intro to family and ministry that I wanted to briefly talk to you about. Uh, tell me, uh, I mean, don't don't give us the book, but uh, tell us a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> give us a tease on what it what it has meant and what it means to be a son of, of uh, to be a PK. I call it a PK, and and of, of Pastor John Hagee, and 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 there were others before him. And talk a little bit about that legacy. Well, I'm a sixth-generation pastor, so when you look in my family tree, for six generations back, we've had 
the patriarchs of our household have been in ministry. Uh, and my father's father, my grandfather was a pastor, and his wife, my father's mother, was an anointed woman of God and a Bible scholar, and she is the one who really instilled in my father his love for Scripture and his love for teaching and preaching the Word of God. Uh, Dad obviously passed on a lot of that to me, but I believe that the thing that enabled him to do that, uh, which was very different than what I saw emulated in a lot of relationships between pastors and their children, was that my father always put his five children before the church. He did not put the church before us. Uh, I know a lot of pastor's kids who had difficult relationships in their household and in their families, and it was because they felt like the church came before the family, and they were always getting the leftovers of dad's time and attention. Uh, And I can honestly say I was blessed to never have that experience in my life as a child. My dad was very faithful to the call of God to be a father first. And because of that, it instilled a love of church in me. And church has been something that I've always wanted to be a part of ever since I could breathe. Uh, But it's been because of the way my dad raised us, uh, not in spite of the way my dad raised us, which, which tends to be a different story than most pastor's kids get to tell. It sure is. And I've heard pastors say, if I care for his work, he will care for my work. And um, and I think we take that out of context, meaning if yeah, I if I do Dad, the church Dad work. I'll tell you very candidly, if God can't take care of his church, he's not a big enough God. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And I, I, I he said, if he needs me to fix this, he's in trouble. Exactly. <laughs> Yep. God doesn't. God doesn't need us. We we need Him. I need Him to parent Correct. and to pastor. And, and and He and, and He measures us according to our faithfulness. You know, well done, thou good and faithful yes. servant. He, he doesn't ask us to do what we can't do. He asks us to do what He gave us to do. And if God gave you a child, He gave you that child so that you would be the parent of that child. I, I understood early on. Uh, anyone can pastor that particular ministry or that church. But not anyone can raise those kids. Uh, you are you are the dad. You are the mom. And if and if without a doubt, you know. And if you were to leave the ministry, uh, they would vote somebody else in tomorrow. You know, and and there would be another pastor there. We would miss you, but we would move on. You know, and correct. And so our our yeah. number one is our children, our our marriage. Well, and and you know the. We, we often want to pretend that we're irreplaceable in places where we're very replaceable exactly. and and then not be present in the places that we're irreplaceable. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now, let me let me move on. Uh, there's an event coming. But before we talk about the event, I want to ask you a question. Why Israel? Uh, if 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 the Hagi name is known for anything in this world, it's known by its connection and its love to Israel. I want you to talk to me a little bit, explain that connection, that love that you guys have for Israel. Well, it began uh, when Pastor took his first trip to Israel, and he wanted to go, obviously because as a Bible scholar, he wanted to go read the Bible in the land that the Bible was written. Mm-hmm. And when he was there for the very first time, he was having a moment praying at the Western Wall, which is something that's very common and, and a part of most tours that are uh, Christian pilgrim tours, as they called them. And while he was there praying, he had a very sincere encounter with the Lord in which he will tell you, he said, the Lord spoke to me in my spirit and said, the man next to you is your brother. 
And he looked to his left and he looked to his right and he didn't see any of his natural brothers. So he just kept praying. (laughs) And the Lord said, the man next to you is your brother. You know nothing about him and he's terrified of you. And the next time he looked to his left and his right, he saw Orthodox rabbis. Yes. And what he noticed was they were reading the same scriptures. They were reading the Torah, which are the first five books of the Bible, but he had spent his time reading those as well. They were praying to Jehovah God. They were both looking at uh, the city of Jerusalem as a place where God was going to return and set up his kingdom. And so he immediately identified the things that were in common. Now what he couldn't understand was the second part of the message is, why is this man afraid of me? So that began pastors passion to study the history of the church and Israel and figure out what the Lord wanted him to do. And in doing so, he obviously got to the roots of Scripture, uh, Genesis 12:3 being a primary verse in that conversation, where God makes a covenant with Abraham and says, I'll bless those who bless you, and I'll curse those who curse you, and through you all the nations of the world will be blessed. Well, through Abraham, all the nations of the world have certainly been blessed by Jesus Christ, who is a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but also through the Jewish contribution to the nations of the world. When you look at the life of Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry, the centurion who had his servant healed, the elders of the city of Capernaum, who were Jewish religious leaders, went to Jesus and said, you owe it to this man to go pray for him because he's shown kindness to us and he has built us a synagogue. They were saying to Jesus, you go break the law of Moses, which forbids you to enter into a non-kosher house because this man has done something to benefit Israel. Uh, Over and over, you see this relationship established in Genesis 12, 3 played out. But through that encounter at the Western Wall, Dad felt that what God had specifically asked him to do was pull the Christian community and the Jewish community together. And that began in an event called the Night to Honor Israel, which the first one was had in 1981. Wow. Uh, and since then, there have been nights to honor Israel in every city, or every major city in the United States, as well as several nations around the world. Uh, Christians United for Israel was started in 2006, and there's now more than 10 million members of that organization, and it is the largest pro-Israel organization in the world today, uh, outside of the nation of Israel. And it it has really been a remarkable thing to see how God has blessed and rewarded. Uh, uh, dad's obedience to yes. what he felt commissioned to do that day at the Western Wall. And so r- coming up right around the corner is another night uh, for Israel. Uh, Correct. We have a night to honor Israel at the end of our Feast of Tabernacles celebration. The feast is going to begin on Friday night uh, here in our church campus and our parking lot. Friday evening, our guest speaker is going to be Pastor Jensen Franklin uh, from Free Chapel in Gainesville, Georgia. He's a wonderful man of God yes. and a dear friend. And then on Saturday, we are going to have uh, Britt Nicole in concert and another time of uh, ministry and devotion. I'll, I'll be bringing in the Word on Saturday. Pastor Hagee will be speaking on Sunday morning, and then the Night to Honor Israel event is going to take place uh, with Pastor Hagee and former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo uh, as the keynote speaker at those events. i tell you what, you guys do not mess around. When uh, Cornerstone wants to throw a festival, uh, 
it, everyone's going to know. And uh, we appreciate that so much. I go, I personally go and take my family to the July 4th and, and the festivals that you guys put on. But we definitely want to invite San Antonio and all the listeners. October 22nd through the 24th uh, is this year's festival. Uh, and in there, there will be the Night to Honor Israel. And uh, some great names, some great names, Jensen, Pastor Jensen Franklin, uh, uh, Secretary Mike Pompeo, and then yourself, John Hagee, Pastor Matt Hagee. You guys are going are gonna to do a great job, and we're so excited that you're here. I also want to mention one more thing, Pastor, if you don't mind. You guys are, have more than one campus. We all know the main campus right off of 1604 and, and Stone Oak, but you guys have other services. You have a, you have a Spanish, Iglesia Cornerstone. Uh, Correct. We we have an Iglesia Cornerstone that meets uh, here on our main campus in our praise center at 2 p.m. on Sunday morning uh, with services specifically targeted towards the Spanish-speaking community of San Antonio. Uh, and then we have a Cornerstone Central Campus that is at 711 Culebra, uh, and it gives people who are in the inner city a more centralized location that they can come and meet. They have a Thursday evening uh, service there for that community as well as simulcasted services from our campus on Sunday mornings. So you can attend there during the week on Thursday, or you can attend there on Sunday morning and join uh, Cornerstone Live uh, from our main campus here at Stone Oak Parkway. Uh, but our, our goal and our mission is to do everything we can to make sure every person in, sin, in San Antonio knows who Jesus is before he gets back. Uh, and sometimes that means you got to spread your wings and, and, and reach beyond your present borders. That's right. Pastor Matt, thank you so much for being part of the Church of the Week right here at AM 630 The Word. And... Uh, when, whenever you want to come back to KSLR, man, we would love to have you back. And I want to remind our listeners that this special Church of the Week is brought to you by Emma's Air Conditioning and Plumbing. Uh, you can reach them at 210-570-1717 or on the web at elmershomeservices.com. Pastor Matt, thank you so much for being part of uh, the Church of the Week. God bless you. And uh, we hope to hear from you very soon again. Thank you very much for the opportunity. God bless you guys. We'll look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you for joining us today as we featured our AM630 The Word Church of the Week. We hope that during this past half hour, you got a chance to know the pastor and learn something about their church. We encourage you to get involved in your local community church. If you'd like to nominate your pastor to be featured on an upcoming Church of the Week program, submit your nominations at am630theword.com.